Hello and welcome to the Ego Podcast. My name is Dina Jackson and I am your host. And today we have an amazing guest with me. He's a director, he's a producer, he is the head of 383 Films. He is your friend and mine. Please welcome Mr. Steve Hoffner. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me, Dina. Of course. I'm really excited. I've been trying <laughs> to get you on here for a while, so I'm jazzed. I know. Finally, we get to coordinate. We're just such busy people doing our own thing, but come together in our time of togetherness here. That's right. <laughs> and you and I have a really cool history, so we I do. want to address that yes, right away. Yes, <laughs> Well, I think that people who are listening are going to be keen to know that because I'm trying to think how long ago it was. I don't think we have to say how many years, but when we were in high school... We both took a course at the Second City Mm -hmm. and like we went to the same high school, but we didn't really connect until we took the Second City course. Like that was kind of because like I think you're maybe a year older than me, but we weren't in the same year and it was a big school. And then we were like, hey, we're into the same stuff. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I didn't really know you as a comedian yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean. Dina kind of rolled with a different crew. We both kind of rolled with the badass crews, but uh, on a different side of the hill, of Smoker's Hill, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and the ones I knew, none of them finished high school, Yeah, unfortunately. well, most of my friends didn't either. Uh, okay. <laughs> or no, they did, but they just barely did. So, uh, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no disrespect to my degenerate friends back in Scarborough. <laughs> I love them dearly. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we, we definitely took a Second City class, and I was like, wow, like this is a side of Dina I've never seen before. And... It's su- I'm, I must say it's super, uh, super cool. And I'm actually really proud that you've seen it through so far. And, oh, thanks. you know, that you've become a professional. And and when I used to do stand up, because that was where I started. And mm-hmm. in fact, I did stand up. Probably one of my best sets ever was in front of Birchmount Collegiate um, at the Christmas um, pageant or whatever you want to call it. Oh, you did one in high school? That's I did. Cool. I did. Yeah. And I was pretty much the mac daddy after that show I, you know, <laughs> if i had any game i would have got laid but no um <laughs> but uh you know i always said back in the day like real comedy isn't you know doing it once or twice a month which is kind of what i was doing you know I worked my way up to the weekends at the laugh resort and back in the day that's for uh it was a club on king king and peter and you know but you know seeing you you know you're doing comedy all the time and and, and touring and like that's real comedy and you're a real professional and it's just really, I'm really proud of you to see how far you've come with it. That's so nice. Thank mm. you, Steve. I certainly wasn't fishing for that, but no. that's very nice. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you too. Like sure. now we get to work together. Mm-hmm. Steve is directing commercials. One of the ones I was, I was actually in one with him that he directed and you're doing films, documentaries, short films. You mm-hmm. have your own production company. You're very much in this world. Oh yeah. And what I love, one of my favorite things to do is talk to other creatives about their mental health practices and like how they get into meditation, how they get into mindfulness, what it is that keeps them going. Because Mm -hmm. to be quite honest, and I think I've said these to you before, if I didn't have my mindfulness practice or my meditation practice or my yoga practice, um, I don't think that I would last in the entertainment world okay. because it is so up and down, right? Like yeah. one minute you'll have this amazing opportunity, you know, in, in standup, you'll be p- performing for 5,000 people and it'll be this amazing thing and you, you can't believe you're doing it. And then the next night you're in a basement that's flooded with rats and you're, <laughs> there's one person in the audience and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're doing the same set. Yep. You're telling the same yep. jokes. 
right and so you know that it's it's sink or swim a lot in this whole i, I imagine that's how it is with with everything you're doing too right? yeah i mean you just have to have a presence of mind and understand that you know what you're doing um is you know you have to love what you're doing so much that you can take the ups and downs and and that's not just our industry i think it's a lot of industries i mean i'm i've obviously been involved with you know i've worked for the national hockey league as well um for over a decade and as a as a producer and you know i've seen in sports especially like you know guy has a bad game i mean there's millions of dollars there's people watching you know how do you rebound and, and just believe in yourself to understand you have the skills mm -hmm. like to your point you know doing a stand-up comedy gig you, you can knock it out of the park in front of thousands of people and then you know be on a stage and 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 sometimes bomb and not do well and it's like well what did i do wrong and often the mind likes to judge and you know you're this sort of part of you starts to judge yourself and go oh like maybe i'm maybe i'm not that good when mm -hmm. e when you could have equally taken the the presence from what had happened on the good part and but we have focus on the, on the on the negative often and that's mm -hmm. sort of the mind's tendency to drift in that way so mindfulness i think is is essential not just for us but for any profession yeah. oh i completely agree i think that um being able to just come into that awareness like you were talking about and being able to notice that yeah okay some of this this negativity is coming up there's negative emotions coming up doubts yeah. coming up anxiety fear and those things can often take over if we're not aware yeah. right whereas rather yeah. than just seeing them as like a moment in time just like a, a happy feeling that may have happened earlier 100 percent right um, so what got you to this point though? Because I certainly didn't know that you were into mindfulness or meditation mm. or any of that when yeah. we first met. And for me, this is something that I've gotten into in the last couple of years. Like cool. I would say in the last three years, yeah. this has become a big part of my life, but before that it wasn't. So, mm. um, so yeah, what was it for uh, you? Yeah. Like it's funny because I started so young in this industry, you know, as you, you know, working with me in high school, uh, at second city. Uh, but I was trying to take it like to the next level, like your next level at that time. Um, or at least I thought I was at, at that time, but you know, you know, working stages and bars and, and, you know, I realized that I did need some mindfulness in my life. And I was always curious about that side of things. And so I discovered, uh, TM, you know, transcendental meditation when I was 18 oh, and cool. yeah. And just learning some of that is pretty heavy, um, you know, from, uh, from that age, some, you don't really understand the, how profound some of the, the, the things that you're learning are at that time, at least. And it, it just kind of led me to this other school of thought, uh, which I learned with, uh, the Gnostic practice, which introduced a lot of Buddhist, um, meditations for me. Cool. A lot of it was, um, some of it was voice related and then it became more mindfulness, and then it got into some more heavy stuff like Buddhist annihilation, which I still use to this day to sort of just find thoughts uh, or elements of my ego and to, to just literally, you know, cleanse yourself of them, which is, again, as a young man, you know, at like between the ages of like 18 and 20 to learn those concepts, I'm 37 now, you know, is, is pretty heavy. And at first it was like, whoa, this is kind of too much, but then you started practicing them and, and, and now as a, now that I'm older, I realize you know, the, the power that you really do need, especially when you get a little older, more life experience takes hold of you. And as a young comic at the time, you know, I didn't have a lot of bad things happen to me. I was just a young guy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the world kind of 
you know, hits you in a different way when you get a little older, you know, you have to sort of have these practices to maybe help you through it. Mm. Mm. That's really impressive that you picked that up at 18. Mm. And isn't it interesting though, that like as soon as we got into this industry, we quickly learned, Oh, okay, this is something (laughs) I need to, to help me. And, and you know what? I think that that's awesome that we were able to find them. Right. Like for me, I think I could have, it would have been amazing to get into this stuff earlier on. Like I, I practiced yoga before, but I didn't understand a lot of the principles around it. And it wasn't until I did my teacher training, um, that I really started to understand the philosophy behind it. And that I was like, if I was to ever have kids, I want them to take this because it teaches you about life. You know, it teaches you about how your mind reacts to things and why it does what it does and, and ways that you can deal with that tactics that you can deal with that. So, um, is that why you started practicing? Was it because of the industry or was it something in personal life? No, well, it it was that. And so my dad got very sick and he passed away and, uh, thanks. And my, I went through a divorce and it was at the same, it was in this two year time frame. And so, you know, you go through something traumatic and you're often looking for answers. And I think that at that time I was, I was really in a, in a dark place. I wasn't, um, I didn't believe in anything. Like I didn't believe in spirituality. It was very much the other way. I was very, very, atheist. um, yeah. And I, I, but I remember being in such a bad state and just being like, this can't be it, you Mm. know, like this can't (laughs) be it. And, and so I think from there I had a lot of, I had a big urge to go away while, while, right while I was going through my divorce. And, Mm. uh, the urge was like, I just need to get out of town and figure something out and like be on my own. And I, I need to do something healing. So I went and did a yoga retreat and it was um, in Aruba. It was on an island and this girl was running it. Cool. And I w- kind of went out on a whim and I was like, I'm going to do this. I went by myself mm. and it was amazing. Like she and her and I are really good friends now. She inspired me to go and do my teacher training, which I did in, in Goa, India. A couple, like not even a year after that happened, I was so inspired. Cool. And uh, then I started teaching and then I, and then once I, I had been doing comedy the entire time. Mm. Uh, but once I started doing the the yoga I started finding other comedians and other artists who use these types of practices in their lives and that's what started this podcast ironically <laughs> um so yeah I love I, it yeah, yeah. and you said that divorce was something that came up for you and that yeah. this was something that helped a lot with absolutely that? well you know it's funny because I'm only kind of now realizing um how important it is you know I mean I've I've been separated slash divorced now for about two years now and I guess you kind of have to go through some dark periods to understand you know where you are and and just a lot of just identity issues I've had in in various capacities start questioning yourself as a person as a as a man as whatever you want to identify yourself with and I want to get into that in a second but Mm -hmm. you know I think uh just being able to come back to the practices and come back to, you know, my faith, I think was really important because mm. I felt like, and I only kind of realized this maybe a, like literally like a month ago that I felt that my values and my like faith just kind of disappeared. And that's why I was kind of lost. And I'm sort of like living this pseudo nihilistic life, which, you know, I guess there's certain freedom to that in some capacity, but it wasn't for me and it never worked for me ever. Mm. Even when I tried to adopt it in high school with other friends that kind of lived like that, but it didn't work for me. And I realized 
um you know actually i went and saw tony robbins in miami oh and, cool yeah in, that's in cool Recently? yeah yeah in, in november and uh i actually met tony um at a stanley cup finals game d- during an event i was working and we sort of hit it off as as people and so i've been texting with him for a couple of years now it's, it's very random it's kind of like the universe you know i was in a, a hurting stage and the universe literally planted Tony Robbins in front of me. So <laughs> it felt like oh, shallow oh, how like that movie or something. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, so he got me free tickets to see him in Chicago last year. And then, um, I was blessed to, to see him again with my friend, uh, in Florida. So just kind of, you know, I, I think you need those type of refreshers. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not just an, an epic, you know, type of event, like a Tony Robbins event, you know, you can do it with yourself, but, but again, coming back to just the faith and, and realizing that a lot of those things I just kind of abandoned when I went in this dark period, mm. you know, and I had to come back to that. And because, yeah, I mean, I probably made more money and were more, was more successful in the last, you know, two or three years than I've ever been. But deep down, I was empty, mm-hmm. you know, and I was unhappy and, and still kind of coming out of that now because um, it's, it's a journey, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, coming back to those those spiritual values I think is really important for me for sure. And, and divorce is like, I remember someone told me, told me this. I don't know why they told me this while I was still married and I certainly didn't ask, Yeah, but they were like, divorce is the worst thing you're ever going to go through. They were like, that's it what is, I've heard too. Yeah. yeah. And, but like, but I didn't what about ask. death. That's not on the list. Death. And that's <laughs> funny. Cause I, they're both, they're both forms of death, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't realize how bad it was going to be until it happened. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is a process. It is a journey for sure. And it takes like, it takes a long time to recover a very long time and it, you don't realize it until you go through it. It is, it is the death of something. Right. And it's, it's, but it's, again, it's made up in your head, right? Because in my head and your head, I'm sure anyone who's been through such a thing, in your head, you've already played out the scenario. In your head, you've already played a how it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? But instead of, you know, playing it out, you're 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 you have these regrets, and you're it's this time gap between what it was and what is and what would have been, and you're really not present. And when you lose that, that's where there's like this problem because there's you know, again, it's and we can get into it about the ego, but you know, it's it's this the ego cannot handle such a thing. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. it, it, it had an idea and this is what it was supposed to be. And you're holding on to something that isn't there anymore, especially if you've made a, you know, a deep decision to move on with your life. Um, you know, and once you've done so, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, the past is, is gone forever, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not. And there's there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in just letting the past die, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't exist anymore. Totally. Mm. And, and you have no control over it. Right. And, and like mm. you said, the ego, the ego can't exist in a space of mindfulness because it, when you're in mindfulness, you are trying to avoid holding on to something. Like sure. that's what my mindfulness teacher says to me all the time. He'll be like, Dina, you're holding. Cause he can <laughs> tell if you're trying to hold on to a feeling yep. while you're practicing, you're like, yeah, like oh, oh, this feels good. Oh, I like this. And it's like, no, no, no. Notice that you're liking it. Yep. Notice that that's coming up. Notice that every emotion you have is going to rise and fall right so it just like anything that any experience you have passes in the past right and so the more you try to hold on to it the more depressed you're gonna feel because it's it's, you can't right yeah and a lot of people think that um 
the holding on to the past is a good thing. You know, people look at photographs and they, we have social media now and, you know, we can, we've, we've captured, we've done so much to make sure that we don't let the past go. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that's a, an incorrect, um, I guess, a course of direction for humanity, because I think that if anything, you need to let the past die. You need to let the past go, no matter what you've done, you know, what, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's always like, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. You know, and from a career standpoint, but in just in terms of your life, you know, to just be able to let go, uh, there's so much power in that and surrender to the moment. Um, there really is nothing like it, but we've, we, we try so hard to hold on to these motions and stuff when it's like, you know, the, the, that's because if you do that, the, then the ego, um, it doesn't like that. It mm-hmm. likes pain. It mm-hmm. likes to hold on to those things. That's why, you know, when I see people walking on the street talking to themselves and, you know, they seem like a crazy person the most, but I'm like, every single person on the street is doing the exact same thing, yeah. except they're doing it out loud, mm-hmm. you know, when they come off crazy. It might, they might wear a thicker jacket. They might be holding a, a bottle of, of OE. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, but the difference is, is that we all do that narrative in our head and we have these conversations and back and forth, blah, blah, blah. And that's what the ego loves to do. It's mm-hmm. It finds the past and pain and as as you know as food appetite and just kind of dances with it and just keeps keeps trying to live in that kind of negative space for sure yeah i want to go back to what you said about how it was just about a month ago that you've wanted to check in with some of these practices again Mm -hmm. i really like that because i think it, it is so important it is something that you have to keep up because any of this stuff whether you want to put it under a mental health category or you want to put it under a spirituality category or you just want to say hey this is my practice this is what i do for me whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um it is something that you do come back to and i mentioned earlier that uh, it's been in the last three years that it's been a very prevalent thing in my life Mm -hmm. but i was first introduced to meditation from my mom when i was 12 and she took it in her philosophy class and one day we were walking the dogs uh, at at a park and she said do you want to learn how to meditate and I said sure I didn't know I was 12 and then she was like okay sit down on the bench feel the bench against your back and the wind on your face and like I'll never forget that and then whenever I would go through hard times my mom would be like okay well have you tried meditating and I would get irritated and it wasn't until I really hit rock bottom where I was like okay I I need something now I need to develop this kind of emotional tool belt for myself because you know I I can't get into a state of crisis all the time and not have a way to deal with it Mm. Um, and so it was a a process of coming back for me Um, so yeah I like that you're feeling that that that's kind of been a pendulum for you too and that it's a recent thing so does this mean that you're wanting to do a new form of practice or that you're wanting to revisit one of the practices you were doing in the past yeah I mean I think that um, you know for me I'm I'm thinking about taking actually like a spiritual trip by myself somewhere somewhere this this year yeah or in the new year and and just sort of you know kind of see where it takes me but you know, I'm just, I think that, um, for me, I think it's just making, making more time to, um, I guess, digest material that's going to keep reminding myself because what happens is it's, it's easy to, you know, kind of float through life when things are going well. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you don't, you know, feel like you need to practice, but even before, like last night, you know, I was reading a passage from the power of now by Eckhart Tolle, which is kind of like my Bible, mm-hmm. you know, really is. It's a great book. Yeah. And I recommend it for everybody because it's gotten me through some very hard times in life. 
and it's, and it still does. Like, and I mean that when I say it's my Bible, because I feel like there's nothing in that book that isn't truth. It's not like preaching. It's not religious. It's like, you can find me one thing in there that you can find that isn't true. You can't, right. Mm -hmm. It's all about presence and it's all about, um, you know, what is real versus what was and time. And, you know, I, I think that for me, like last night, I just, I felt so much better just reading a passage, you know, and, you know, earlier in the day, I wasn't feeling too good. And I just kind of read that and I'm like, oh yeah. And it's just that because I think I want to make sure that <laughs> I'm constantly reminding my being, my source, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, these thoughts or, you know, because you start to identify with your mind, right? And, mm -hmm. but you are not the mind. Mm -hmm. And, but sometimes you can trick yourself, right? And you oh, like, that is me, right? Oh, like, that's what, that's what I am about. That's who I am. But it's, again, it's a false identification with self, right? Through mm -hmm. loss of source. So, you know, or loss of being and to kind of come back to that. So I think, yeah, in the new year, I would love to keep practicing, um, some of my, my meditation techniques that I've kind of neglected, like Buddhist annihilation and, and just reading more passages from, you know, some of my, my, my important books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I like that you're doing things that you're let like this sounds I I said this sounds funny but I don't care it's like you're nourishing your soul that's what you're doing sure when yeah. you're like I am going to read this passage because this is something I feel I need to do right now and I think that listening to that is so wise because we live in a culture here in the west where that's not necessarily the first thing you were taught to do when you were feeling down or sure. I certainly wasn't it was like oh let's go out and drink with friends or let's watch something or go on our right. mobile device or whatever it is to distract That's you. That's numbness. Sure. Right. Yeah. And, and a numbing feature does never lasts. Right. No. And so it's not to say that there's anything wrong with those things individually, mm -hmm. but it's when they in fact become a device that, um, a vice, sorry, that, that, that they, that they do in fact numb, I think that's when it can be dangerous because you're not actually dealing with that urge or that pain or whatever it is sure. that's coming up. Um, so yeah, but then when it, and also when you were talking about neglecting things, like in terms of your practices, mm -hmm. we all do that, right? Sure. So that the awareness to, to say, Hey, I'm going to come back to it. Like that's the biggest step you can make. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, finding, I, I don't know, it's just finding your faith, you know, like, and I think that I can't, and when I say that, you know, there's no thing that you can't dispute in the power of now, like it's all truth. Yes, that, that, that is definitely true, I think. But everybody's truth, truth is different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So some things that work for other people is not going to work for other people. You know, some people find happiness in certain things. It's not going to be for, for me or for you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just really important that people find the practices and the things that work for them and then the check in and go, okay, am I actually happy? You know, yeah. it's like sometimes maybe having a glass of wine does sort of help somebody calm down and just chill out. Um, but I think it's when it becomes things of that, that are excessive and, and just mask issues that, um, again, you'll end up in the same mind patterns as you did before. You're just putting a bandaid on it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I also think, yeah, for sure in reference to that, like anything that you can do with intention 
I think can be very healthy, right? So if sure. you want to have a glass of wine and your intention is to celebrate or to have it with your meal or whatever it is, um, you're acknowledging that and not becoming complacent with it, right? So that's a very right. different thing. And I remember there was a, I've had a past guest on here who addressed this and uh, we, she just discussed how um, there's a saying, an olden day saying where the term cheers came from when you, mm. when you cheers a glass. Um, and it references the fact that alcohol will take your energy, your body's energy from the following day it takes that energy now, which is why you get drunk and you know, mm. that can feel nice or whatever. Right. Um, but so that's why you can feel really, really hungover. but they, they invented the term cheers because you're acknowledging that in the moment. Right. So it's almost like you're putting, placing an intention there. And so by doing that, it's, mm. it's, it's acknowledging it and making a choice. So I right. think that that's very different than just, okay, I'm, I'm on my phone scrolling, you know what I mean? And sure. I'm unaware and my, my mind is, not no i'm not with my mind right now my mind is just kind of responding sure and reactive right absolutely mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, I think that we're in a and i hate to sort of put a, a dark cloud over things but i really don't feel like society's heading in a positive direction i think we're heading away from um our source of being i feel like people are are gener we're raising kids now to you know be on social media and to, to find themselves through you know these sort of artificial identities and it's not making anybody happier. Like I just saw a report that like s people on social media um, or like p kids in North America, uh, those who are on social media are like just super unhappy, mm -hmm. like, like ridiculous. And, you know, I just thought about it. I'm like, you know, we have this, again, this sort of egoic idea that, oh, it, you know, just because you're in the West, uh, you know, Western society that we're better off. But I can just guarantee you that there are people living very so you know quote unquote primitively in other parts of the world that don't have Instagram and that are just like super pumped about life, mm -hmm. you know, and all they do is just you know smoke you know weed and you know <laughs> have sex and eat and like that's their whole life and you know that's the type of you know happiness that some people can just have with just the simple things in life, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that's what and it doesn't mean that you can't have that in Western society. I th but I think it's it's trying to kind of scale it back and go. What do I need here? You know, did it, like the, the this like I can't tell you how many people that I know. I'm mid conversation, and I've done this too with my family, unfortunately. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like we've all done it with our family. Sure. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, my you know your mom. My mom's talking to me, and I'm just like I just immediately grab my phone and start skimming Instagram. I don't even know what I liked, and mm -hmm. then I put the phone down. I'm like, wait, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. You know, it's because I've just my mind starts getting drifting because I'm just I'm not interested or you know I'm not present. Mm -hmm. and that's the thing. Like we are creating a culture of non-present people mm -hmm. and it needs to stop because we need to reel it back and i have i have a feeling one day that eventually it might take a decade or so maybe a couple of decades but it will be uncool to be on social media it'll be i hope yeah you know what i mean like it'll yeah. be uncool to like not be present mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. in, in all these sort of artificial things that we uh, we like to sort of surround ourselves with won't be like the, the norm well i think so because 
I mean, people are seeing the increase of, of people suffering from anxiety and depression, and a yep. lot of it c- contributes to that. Yeah. But also the creation of float tanks, and they have spaces now where you can literally just go and sit and be silent and meditate. They have like mind gyms mm-hmm. now and stuff. Mm-hmm. And those things exist because people um, feel as though they need to actually be away from their phones, right? So you'll have like a tech-free holiday where you can go to a, a cottage somewhere and no phones are allowed and there's no internet. And the, the people People mm-hmm. have come to a point now where they need that, right? right? There are apps on your phone where you can block those things. So, you know, f- for an hour, I'm not, I can't look at my social media and the timer's going. And so that's what gets me to do my work. And it's, it's no um, judgment to the individual, but like you said, it's more of commentary on the, on people as a group, right? Because we're, we're worried about that complacency, but also becoming a slave to your machine and not realizing that that's really what it is, that you are yes. becoming a slave to this thing. Sure. And Bill Maher, I've brought this up a couple times, but he has had a wonderful clip about how social media is the new smoking because... Oh, wow. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a great... It's worth looking up, um, but he just talked about how in... I think it was in the 80s, or was it in the 80s? I think hmm. so. When the um, cigarette companies had to come forward and say that hmm. not only are they making cigarettes, but they're putting something in it, nicotine, to make you addicted to it. Like they had to come forward and admit that. And he's calling out people in Silicon Valley and saying that they need to do the same thing because in this case, it's not our bodies, it's our minds. Wow. So it's a wonderful clip. I like clip. that. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, and a lot of people don't even know what they're consuming. And especially when it comes to advertising, you know, all the AI now online, like you are really just getting sucked in as Mm -hmm. soon as you open that app, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's, it can be dangerous. And in our business and what we do, it's very hard to not be on those apps and not be, um, promoting yourself and promoting your work. I mean, it's, it would be very strange for me as a, as a standup comedian, if I wasn't visible online. Mm -hmm. Um, but that being said in relation to, you know, success and our idea of success because we were talking a little bit about this but also getting into ego yeah there's a lot of ideologies around success right and wealth and material goods and you know lots of instagram followers and what Mm -hmm. have you and right now those are seen as success yep right but i believe that these things kind of move away from our initial purpose which is to create or to teach or Mm -hmm. to help um to have a family whatever it is and Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering what you th- what your thoughts are on that and also what you do to navigate through some of that chaos working in something like the entertainment world. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, w- when you have, you have to sort of navigate it and understand like what, what it means to be successful because uh, it's always relative. And, you know, it's funny because I, I just came back from doing a presentation for the Toronto Film School, which is a, a part-time thing that I've, I'm the coordinator for their online video production program. Mm. And, uh, and you know, again, talking about teaching, you know, like, I mean, it's not the most lucrative, predi- uh, you know, position in terms of like, let's say a salary or anything, but, you know, it's something about giving back, you know, I just got really excited to teach people. You yeah. Know, and the, this proposition that people are going to be learning something that I had, you know, a stamp on. Yeah. And, you know, I love that. And, th- and there's such, um, there's actually a real science behind giving. You know, you actually get uh, serotonin by giving things to mm-hmm. people and helping people. So scientifically speaking, you are better off helping people mm-hmm. you know people don't really maybe put two and two together but it is actually true um but yeah when it comes to success i mean i think it's such a false narrative to 
it's 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 shallow to assume that because you have x amount of followers or whatnot um you know and again i've led that narrative you know i mean i i remember a feeling i had you know at my at my wedding you know i remember you know pk suban a hockey player is a friend of mine and you know i invited him to the wedding and you know he, he couldn't make it last minute and i was bummed about that but i was more and i guess i didn't realize till later i was more bummed because I just didn't have a celebrity at my wedding. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, even though I had one of my good friends, one of my best friends, Kevin Weeks, he was my MC, and, you know, he's he's a famous hockey player as well, but it's like, oh, I didn't have PK there. Right. You know, and it's like, and I think back, and I'm like, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I had my best friend stand up there with me, mm-hmm. you know, and my my closest friends at this, at this day, so it's like, what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. You know, but that was just such a an egoic sort of idea of like success that, Oh, you'd have this person there, you Mm -hmm. know? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think when it comes to your own success, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's important to set your standard, you know, and, you know, one takeaway I had from Tony Robbins teaching is, you know, one of the, the greatest things that people have always done is, is setting the bar to an almost unachievable length, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're going to strive for. You know, Henry Ford once said, it's like, whatever you believe you can achieve, you can. And, mm-hmm. th- and that's the truth, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, if you believe you're down here, like that's what you can accomplish, then you're right. Yeah. Right. But if you believe that you can accomplish that up here, then you're right. You know, and it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get to those places, but it just means like, if that's the bar that you've set, then that's how high you're going to jump, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that when it comes to success, it's important to set that bar very high and not stop until you get there and i think some people there's a dangerous thing where people get complacent and we've come to a almost this almost too much of a liberal society where we're giving each other a pat on the back for participating and doing just anything in life whereas i'm i'm on the notion yes like absolute encouragement along the way education but it's like you know don't stop until you get there you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and Mm -hmm. like especially for you like yeah you can look at yourself and say hey i'm successful and i think it's important to keep seeing yourself as being successful and to Mm -hmm. take the positives along the journey Mm -hmm. but still be hungry to keep moving forward Mm -hmm. yeah totally and not let those things whatever those accolades are along the way become hang-ups for you where you you shift your focus away from really expressing yourself as an artist and whatever that whatever the way that is you sure. know and that yeah. c- that can lend to what we do but it can also lend to what anyone does whatever their way of expressing themselves is as a teacher mm-hmm. as a mother as a dancer as a, a doctor whatever mm-hmm. um you know really like you've mentioned before living your truth and mm-hmm. sharing your truth um and really you we know when you're doing something and you're like oh this is this is right. This feels right. Yeah. Absolutely. And we also know what it feels like when it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I personally, for me, I mean, I, I'm always trying to reconnect with that. I'm always trying to say, okay, am I really expressing myself here? Is this, yeah. am I able to do that? And sometimes I'm not, you know, sometimes it's not hitting the way I want it to, but it's not because, um, it's not because of anything other than the fact that I've come out of alignment with that. Yeah. I think it's being true to, Um, especially in comedy, you know, I remember when I first started, I did a lot of impressions Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, for, you know, for a while there I had some success, but it kind of hit a wall with that. And 
then I started writing jokes and I, I remember the first few things I wrote, I was just like, I was writing stuff that I thought would be funny. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I just kind of stopped and then I realized like, I'm just gonna, gonna, I don't care what the reaction is. I want to say stuff that I think is pretty funny and my observations and that, and it's like implicitly, uh, that passion kind of comes through the performance and through the words. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, like those were my, my best jokes, which was like, but I never, if you had asked me a year earlier about like the things that I would have wrote that would have got laughs, I never would have thought that my bit about a Swiss chalet commercial and how much I hate it would be one of my best jokes. But like, Oh, I had this witty joke about, you know, Jesus and, you know, world mm-hmm. war two or something, you know, mm-hmm. that like, I thought was just really clever, you know? And it's just like, no, like just one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got from a, a comedy club, um, a manager, it was a place called comedy wood, which is right across from U of T. Uh, now I think it's just the Gabby's and, uh, a bar and, uh, the guy I was in this kind of avant-garde phase, Andy Kaufman thing I was going through and, (laughs) and I had like a stereo with me. I don't even remember what I was doing. And he's (laughs) just like, Hey, uh, so what are you doing today? I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm just doing this stereo thing, whatever. And he was like, (laughs) so, uh, is it funny? And I'm like, well, no, you know, I just, I just want to be different, you know, whatever. And he's just like, he's like, Steve, he's like, just be funny, (laughs) 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 you know? And I, and there's a lot don't get me wrong that statement's very big hey just be funny but there's a lot of just simplicity and truth to that where it's just like look just just be honest up there mm-hmm. you know don't try to do something mm-hmm. funny just just be you, you for know? sure be funny you for know? sure and you can and you know what it feels like when you're trying i certainly do sometimes i'll be at an audience and i feel like i'm pandering and i'm like i'm not doing really what i want to do and i'm doing something here that i think they're gonna like and so mm. it is a it is a fine line yeah. between making that transition and you definitely know it when it feels right and when it doesn't well you found your comedy voice and i, I wanted to say that in the podcast for all the listeners because oh, i feel nice. like that's, that's a term i learned uh i guess through the grapevine i know some of my friends took the humber college comedy and i think it was rob trick uh, shout out to him uh the og of humber college <laughs> teachers i think he was coined that but like finding your comic voice mm-hmm. You know, and it's like everybody has that voice. I know, like my buddy uh, Nathan McIntosh, he's gotten a lot of success in in New York, and he's been so on funny. Fallon. He's hilarious. But mm-hmm. you know, my buddy Jake LeBeau, you're kind of he was his first manager, I think, and you know, he kind of helped him find that voice. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit because he, he was like, focus on your hate. Mm-hmm. He's like, because that's funny. Mm-hmm. He's like, all this other stuff, you know, it's like whatever. But it's like, focus on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like that's his shtick now like mm-hmm. he just rants yeah you know and he's fucking hilarious so funny you know? yeah i love watching him and, awesome. and same with you like i feel like you found and i still think you're finding it even more and dig, and i think you know i'm hoping that i see even more you know digging deep but you know i think that like now i know your shtick right mm-hmm. you kind of every comedian kind of has their shtick or like brand mm-hmm. you know but it, it has to be honest to them mm-hmm. you know and i think that you've definitely you know come leaps and bounds from I think from when I first knew you at Second City to now obviously and, and it's, it's really cool to kind of see that process for you come out thank you that's so nice yeah. finding your voice is every com- comedian's dream that's our dream we're always working on it I find whenever I'm true to our roots where we grew up <laughs> that's when my uh, 
my voice comes out. Sure. Know, growing up in a in neighborhood like in Scarborough, or <laughs> just for listeners, if you're not familiar with it, it was just a, a bit of a rougher neighborhood, not something that anyone was proud to live in. Although now it is cool. Now people wear it like a badge being from there. It seems yes. quite cool. But it wasn't then. It was embarrassing to be to say you were from there then, at least when I went away to school and people judge me and stuff like that when I went away to university. But uh, <laughs> they, but you know what? I don't care. Like, it's part of who you are, right? It, and, it is. Well, and you did a short film about our hood. I did. It was called Cliffside, which is actually the name of our neighborhood. And it premiered at the Scarborough Film Festival at the Fox Theater, that. which was really fun. And on, on opening night, which was really cool. That's so cool. So, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, it was a story about a woman who was trying to make it out uh, of, of, you know, the area and follow her dream of being an actress. Mm. And she sort of starts getting pulled back in, you know, to the, the circumstances that she's in by her, her boyfriend. And it's sort of a, a loose, um, I guess, metaphor for the Peter Pan story. Because I just noticed a lot of people that i grew up with just kind of were still doing the same things back in the day yeah so the movie is a little bit of an allegory to that and um that's cool that's like well wayne's world was kind of in a like making fun of that right like they they because wayne's world was based uh, on right. like guys in scarborough living in the basements <laughs> right sure i love yeah. that that it is still the same thing there everyone that is what everybody does yeah <laughs> and it's funny because uh but it's it's interesting because you you know, as a storyteller, you kind of have to, in a short film, it's a piece of fiction still. Uh, but I had a lot of haters like online. Oh, really? Um, because I chose to focus more on the harder parts of Cliffside. Right. And for the people that don't know Cliffside, it's basically a neighborhood in Scarborough near the bluffs. So you have, you know, maybe south of there, like million dollar homes. And now it's super trendy. And there's a lot of yuppies going to the bluffs now. Everyone seems that they've discovered the Scarborough bluffs. Uh, well, they did a, a write-up on it in uh, Toronto Life. Too, or Toronto, Toronto yeah, Life, yeah. Yeah, so, so now yeah. everybody's going there and there's a lineup to get down on the bluffs. But, you know, <laughs> but there's a harder area too, a cliffside, which is, you know, some of the buildings there, um, you know, on Pell Street and... and North of Kingston. Yeah, like, north of Kingston, yeah, like yeah. some of the apartments above the the, comp, the the plazas there. That's all Scarborough is, is plazas and hydro fields. And um, tiny motels. And tiny motels, <laughs> that's right. Just a little east of there on Brimley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I chose to focus on the harder parts and then, you know, people were chiming in online or like, oh, like that's not cliffside, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like hey, you know what? Like, relax. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, it, it's not a documentary. If I was a documentary, we could have explored all that parts, but mm -hmm. it was super fun to, to come back to the roots and tell that story. Yeah, and you know what? I think that any, it's frustrating when you get haters online. I certainly get them too with my comedy and stuff. Really? Oh yeah. Um, I've had people also say they feel sorry for me and my divorce, like write that on my YouTube, which is like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sure. I really wanted Appreciate. to get people concerned <laughs> yeah. for me. Some people want laughter, not me. I'd like people to make sure I'm doing okay. <laughs> I have a couch at home you want to talk to me on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I think that that means people are responding to it. Like, and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think listening. that uh, some, pre not all bad press, but some bad press is good press because yeah. people are talking about it. Absolutely. People always have opinions, but you're right. You're sharing it from your perspective and it's a short film. It's not a documentary. That's a very different thing. Yeah. Two different things. But you're working on a documentary right now. Yes. That's a nice transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, called the, can the Cannons. What's this one about? So The Cannons is a, f my feature film uh, directorial debut. Um, cool. Working on it with... My co-director, AJ Messier, uh, basically the two of us pretty much made this ourselves. Mm. And we um, 
came across this story a couple of years ago through my connections at the National Hockey League. And it's based on the uh, largest or the oldest minority, um, sorry, I'll get the, the right verbiage here, uh, the longest serving minority hockey program mm. in the United States. So basically it's, it's mostly composed of African-American uh, boys cool. and some girls. And it's in a sort of an impoverished area in, in D.C., which is, you know, the southeast, northeast area of, of Washington, which is vastly different than the gentrified, you know, prop D.C. proper mm. um, area that you might see in the movies and stuff. So, you know, I, I don't like to say the word ghetto, but, you know, there's some places that are pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we told the story of, of these of, of one of the, the, the coach, the founder, C Coach Neil Henderson, who's this amazing uh, mentor and philosopher who's basically, you know, raised a generation of kids for 45 years, volunteered his life and time to uh, help kids get out of the ghettos and, and, and into skates and cool. into sports. And uh, so we followed this team for a year and three of the senior boys, uh, you know, finishing high school. So it's a little bit like hoop dreams, but with hockey. That's so cool. So you were in Washington filming that? That's so cool. Yeah. So huh. me and AJ have been kind of going down there. We've I have 50... About 50 days of principal photography, which is just wow. maddening. And so my production company funded it, uh, as well as uh, AJ's uh, Hogtown Studios. So, uh, yeah, so it's basically been the two of us kind of going at it. But, you know, it's it's funny how the universe works because, um, you know, AJ had a, a one of his best friends pass away shortly before we started uh, shooting. And he was um, pretty much going to help us fund the picture oh. with a very substantial budget. Right. And he passed away suddenly. Mm -hmm. He had a, sa he had a, a very rare disease, uh, called Hunter syndrome. Mm. And, um, so it wasn't like completely surprising, but it was certainly shocking that mm -hmm. he passed away at the age of 39. Oh and man, I'm sorry. Uh, it, yeah. And it, w it really kind of tested our resiliency. Like, are we going to still tell this story? Mm -hmm. But, you know, based on the people that we had met and the connections we were just like, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to continue. We have to move on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like had we had a substantial budget and had we had a full blown crew, yes, we would have, you know, technically it would have been probably looked a lot better, but I feel like the authenticity of, you know, the moments and being in a car with just our coach telling us about, you know, his, his, his wife who has dementia and how she's suffering or, you know, one of the boys, you know, got robbed at gunpoint, you know, during filming, like Whoa. some stuff that like, you know, you can't really get with a set of five or six guys holding a boom mic and whatever. Yeah. Basically just me and a camera and a mic, a wireless mic, mm -hmm. you know, so you're going to get those authentic moments if it's, if it's smaller. So I feel That's like. That's cool. I would watch that for sure. Yeah. So mm -hmm. our hope is to finish it by, um, by I guess the end of spring 2020. Okay. And uh, submit for film festivals across North America and worldwide. So um, yeah. That's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. So people can look out for that. We'll put all your... Uh, yeah, thecannonsdocumentary.com is that's our website. What it's got its website, yeah. own website. Thecannonsdocumentary.com. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. Thank I you so much for I could me. talk to you about this stuff for hours. Like, I, I feel like we could just keep We could keep going, on. but people got things to do. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> they got other places to go, other podcasts yep. to listen to. Um, so where can people find you like find you in 383 pictures I know we mm -hmm. did some social media bashing but we're on social <laughs> media <laughs> can people find you yeah you can just check out my website at 383pictures.com um, obviously it's you check me out on mobile or, or, or um, on desktop and you know see some of the work and, and if you like what you see please do contact um, 
lovely working with the different assortments of people, individuals, whether you're an actor or a business. Uh, we do lots of branded content and uh, just love telling stories in general. And you're amazing at it. Like the way you portray it. I've seen so much of your oh, work thank now. You. Appreciate yeah, that. Really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Me, it was lovely working with Dina and uh, on our commercial together. And it was funny food for thought or actually fun fact is that it was a yoga scene that we shot for the commercial and uh, it was, we, we got some of Dina's, uh, I guess, what do you call them, yogis? Yeah, well, you? they're comedians who I teach them yoga, yeah. Right, so yeah, we yeah. had her class actually come in and, yeah. and act as background <laughs> talent as, as Dina was the star of the commercial. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Bring it, it really full circle. Yeah, full circle for sure. Well, thank you so much, Steve. And yeah, so people can, and so it's the Canons Documentary dot com. Dot com. So yep. dot com. Okay, perfect. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Thanks guys. Steve. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.